Well, we're in a series in the Gospel of Mark called Follow Me. We're looking at the words of Jesus when he said, follow me and I'll make you the kind of person I want you to be. I'm so excited today because we get to hear from one of my favorite teachers of God's word. He's a good friend of mine named Ron Merrill. Now, I first met Ron when I had left journalism and I started pastoring a church of 40 people in Arizona. As that church grew, there was a bigger church in town that I really looked up to. Ron was the teaching pastor there. He's got a gift for teaching, but more importantly, he's got a heart for discipleship and for people. He loves the Lord. I know that if you'll just open your heart to God, that God will speak to you today and he'll help you and me follow Jesus better. So would you put your hands together and give Ron Merrill a big connection point welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, this is a real honor and uh, pleasure for me to, to be with you all here today. I am a friend of Pastor John's, and um, uh, I come from Arizona, so um, I'm cold. Uh, this, this morning, I went into the car, and uh, on the display of the car, it had the outside temperature, and it was just a zero, that's like I'm tapping on it, thinking certainly like it's missing digits. There's something wrong with this, this picture. So I, I'm, if nothing else, I'm just amazed at you people that you would choose to inhabit such a tundra as this. But um, just uh, being with you today is a real honor and, and pleasure. Um, I, I, uh, I'm a mess. I'm gonna be really honest right from the beginning. I mean, look at me, I look like Howie Mandel and Voldemort had a baby, and so this is what you have to deal with. Uh, I've got this huge face. I'm basically just a giant face, and it keeps getting bigger, and now it's complicated because we're all wearing uh, masks, and my face is too big for these masks. So now I've just got kind of this horse feeding bag that I pull on and walk around with and are you okay sir yeah my face is too big I have to have the horse feeding bag it's sad but it's kind of been that way for a long time um, I, ever since I can remember something's wrong with me something's goofy about me uh, I grew up in California which probably contributes to a lot of the weirdness and then I went to college in Arkansas, which if you want to talk about weird, we can spend a couple hours afterwards, come grab me. I went to college in Arkansas, and I had kind of a weird job while I was there. Um, I, I would uh, dri drive the chapel speakers that we had um, to or from the airport, uh, sometimes round trip. And on this particular week, we had a, a chapel speaker come in at a Christian university, and she was phenomenal. She gave a powerful message. Her testimony was such a, a thing of, of real beauty to me. And I, I found out that I was going to be the one to take her from the school back to the airport. Now, I got a little bit excited and a little bit nervous. Let me tell you why. Um, Sue Thomas was this lady's name, and Sue had been completely deaf since she was two years old. And so not having spent time with people that were hearing impaired or completely deaf, I was a little bit nervous about an hour and 15 minute car ride with someone that, that couldn't hear. How are we gonna communicate? How is she gonna understand? Is it just gonna be a real quiet ride the entire way? 
Uh, no pun intended. And so I, I went and took the school minivan to go pick up Sue. And I pulled up to where she was. I got out of the minivan. I introduced myself to her and put her luggage in the, in the back. And then she introduced me to her dog. Sue had a hearing dog. It was a German shepherd that was about six feet tall. It was the scariest German shepherd I've ever seen, but very, very specialized. Um, if, if the phone rings, it would get Sue and bring her to her typing phone. If uh, the dog sensed that she was in some sort of danger that she couldn't pick up on, the dog would bring her to safety. And so very specialized, very cool dog, but kind of wrapped in this scary werewolf sort of package. And so luggage is in, dog gets in the way back, then we sit down and begin our drive to the airport. And as we start to drive, Sue turns to me and she says, now Ron, just go ahead and talk like you normally would and I'll read your lips from the side. Whoa. Now, because I'm a little bit weird, um, in the back of my brain, I started to wonder, what if she's not really deaf? What if she's scamming people? You know, this is her angle into the Christian speaker thing, like, look, I'm deaf, but I can talk, I'm cool. I thought, this isn't right. What, how, what kind of human being would do that? And now I'm thinking, I have to expose this woman for the fraud that she is. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I've gotta drive to figure it out. And so we begin to drive about 15 minutes down the road. Uh, we, we pass, no joke, on the side of a road, a, a bar where on Friday nights you could wrestle a bear for $25. Arkansas. And so we're driving by, I said, Sue, on Friday nights you can go into that place and wrestle a bear for 25 bucks. And Sue just went, hmm. And I thought, oh, okay. She didn't catch that, maybe she is deaf, you know, because the words wrestle a bear don't normally go together on your lips, and so now I'm feeling kind of bad. About 15 seconds later, Sue goes, so Ron, have you ever gone there to wrestle a bear? Whoa, she's catching every single word that I'm saying. Now I'm totally convinced this woman is a liar and a fraud, and she's scammed for the sake of my university and for the sake of deaf people all over. I need to right this wrong. I need to expose this woman. Now I'm just irritated and frustrated. We continue to drive, and the more that we talk, the more I'm convinced there's no humanly possible way that someone could be this good at this. She was so good at it, in fact, that she'd worked for the FBI for a while. They would put her inside of a large restaurant where they knew bad guys were gonna be, and the bad guys were way over here, and Sue was way on the other side, and all the way across the room, she could read the lips off the bad guy and, and, and go back to him and say, oh yeah, they were talking about this, this, and this, and then the FBI would go bust them. Well, I, I'm still not convinced, and we continue the drive, and uh, eventually there's a lull in the conversation, and I look over, and Sue has fallen asleep. Here's my moment. Her eyes are closed, so she cannot read my lips. And if, in fact, she is deaf, <laughs> she, she can't hear me. And so I think, okay, I've got I've to do something. I've, I've got to do it. Now, don't, don't judge me. You would do the same thing. And so I'm driving along, and I'm thinking, man, this is, this is my chance. And I just, I just look over and go, ah! I forgot about the dog in the back seat. <laughs> 
in seconds it had leapt over the middle seat. It's pawing at Sue, growl, har, 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 spits flying everywhere. She wakes up. She goes, whoa, whoa, sorry, sorry. The dog must have heard something. I'm going, yeah, I don't know what that was, but I've got to change my underwear now. Thank you very much. I'm going to put Cujo in the back and we're going to keep going. I'm screaming at deaf people. What's wrong with me? Something is the, the matter with me. And I wish with every fiber of my being that I could be with you today and, and with all integrity stand before you and tell you that the worst thing that I've ever done is <laughs> scream at a deaf person, but, but it's not. Probably like a lot of you, I, I would be mortified if we began to play a video of some of the worst moments of my life. Moments of regret, moments of sin and disobedience. It would be terrifying. Sin has made a mess of me. It's made a mess of a lot of people. And when you take an honest assessment of it, I know for myself that in my sinful moments, I've hurt other people, I've hurt myself, I've even damaged my relationship with God. And that's a very real thing. And yet the good news, the good news is that God pursues me anyway. The good news is that for century upon century upon century, God has been pursuing us, his creation, people that he loves, despite our sin. Now Mark chapter one is where we're gonna spend a little bit of time today. And right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, if you have your Bible, you can turn there to Mark chapter one. This is how Mark starts his gospel. He starts with a, an announcement of the good news that, that God is pursuing us yet again. God has pursued us for centuries and he's continuing to through his son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah is coming. It's God himself in the flesh, come near. And, and here comes Jesus. But Mark starts by uh, sharing his gospel, putting on our radar that it's actually the prophet Isaiah that spoke about this over 600 years before this is taking place. And Isaiah said, before the Messiah comes, God's gonna send one to prepare the way for the Messiah. Just to put it on the radar, Harry, you've been waiting to, to see this rescue, this Savior come, and he's coming. But first, there's one that's gonna prepare the way. And then, the one who's preparing the way does come. In Mark chapter one, verse four and five, it says this. Here's the one preparing the way, John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's important. Verse five. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, John the Baptist, confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. You know, throughout history, God's been pursuing people. 
And throughout history, people have needed to be pursued by God because what is also common throughout history is that as people, we have a tendency just to go our own direction. Our natural inclination is not to follow God. It's not to follow his ways. Our natural pull and draw is to follow ourselves. It's to follow our our hearts. It's to uh, follow what other people say. And that's why I love that God continues to pursue us. Throughout the Old Testament, you find that God pursued through the patriarchs. You, You find that he pursued people through the prophets. He pursued people through circumstances. He's pursued people through his word. He he even uh, created a a temporary system, a sacrificial system that you see in the Old Testament that was essentially a way to kind of maintain a relationship between these broken, sinful people and a holy and righteous God. But even in that sacrificial system, we learn we learn some important things about God that are true even now about the character and the nature of God. A couple to put on your radar are are these, two really important things about the character and nature of God. One, he's just, and two, he's gracious. God is a God of justice. Right now at this very moment, he is uh, rooting out all sorts of bad and evil and injustices all around the the world. Now, it's not always as fast as I like. Can I get an amen or a right on or a woohoo? It's not always in the manner that I would maybe choose, but we can rest assured that that God is a God of justice and, and he hurts and is angered over some of the sick and disgusting and horrible things that are going on across the world. He's also sick and hurt by the things sinfully that I have done in disobedience to them. And that's why I'm super thankful for that second attribute of his, that he's also gracious. He's a God of grace. Because I would be an object of his justice just as much as anybody else. And yet, he... he, pursues me anyway, he, he loves me anyway, he extends his grace to me anyway, he extends his mercy uh, to me anyway. Whew. He's very patient. And yet these two attributes of God continue to coexist. He's pursuing us to reconcile us. He's pursuing us to bring us back together to heal us. Now the enemy, on the other hand, would just like to keep us broken. The enemy, on the other hand, would like to keep us hurting. The enemy, on the other hand, would like to keep us destroyed daily by our sin. I heard years ago, Eskimos, Eskimos had kind of an interesting plan when it came to uh, dealing with wolves that were coming out from the woods and picking off their livestock. Eskimos, uh, what they would do is they would take a giant butcher knife blade, similar to what you see here. They would dip the blade of the butcher knife into blood, animal blood, 
and they would let it freeze over the blade of the butcher knife. They would make dozens of these and then they would stick these handled down into the snow in a perimeter around their livestock. The wolves would smell the blood and they would rush in and completely ignore the livestock that were easy pickings just some feet away because there was something more easily accessible right there in front of them. And they would begin to uh, lap up the blood frozen to this blade. And they would get whipped into such a frenzy over it that they would not recognize when their own mouth began to uh, be numbed out by the frozen blood and then subsequently would not notice either when they had made it all the way through the frozen blood that had been on the blade and got down underneath to the blade itself. Being so numbed out, they would begin to rip their own mouth to shreds and not distinguishing which blood was which, they would bleed out to death. It's a, it's a gruesome but effective method. And I don't say that to disgust you, but I, I say it because I believe that that is very similar to what the enemy loves to do and is doing to so many people, people that you know, people right next to you, and people far away. The devil loves to put sin and temptation all around us. And, and we're drawn to it. And we like the ability to kind of numb out to life, especially when life is difficult or painful in the midst of sin. It's easily accessible. And what we don't often recognize is that while it feels good for a moment, and we have to acknowledge that if sin didn't feel good for at least a moment, none of us would do it. We, we begin to numb out to things that we should be really sensitive to. And if we don't catch it, we just get whipped into a frenzy, it can lead to some real damage in our life, if not death. That's the enemy's plan. But the good news is Jesus has got another plan. The good news is he's came to conquer sin and conquer death. He's came so that you don't have to just follow your own heart or follow the path of sin. You can follow the way of life instead of the way of death, and that is the way of Jesus. Now, to go the direction of Jesus is it's not always easy. In fact, I'd remind us this way. When you think about sin, sin separates you from you. Sin separates you from others. And sin separates you from God. Sin, uh, you know, has a way that it separates you from you in the sense that when you and I disobey God, go our own direction, think we can operate independent from him. It has hurtful effects, damaging effects on your heart, on your soul. It can harden a heart and damage a soul. Uh, when you sin, it, it has negative effects on your relationships with other people. It separates you from them. Think about a time where someone sinned against you. Did it bring you closer together with that person? No, 
it, it drove a wedge and separated you, and maybe most severely, sin separates us from God. Our sin uh, breaks that relationship and that communion that your creator really wants to have with you. But to say no to our sin and turn from our sin isn't easy, is it? And that's why this next thing is true. The way of Jesus is always better, but it isn't always easier. It's not easy to follow Jesus. It's not easy to turn or repent from your sin, is it? It's not easy to follow Jesus every day of your life. It's not easy to trust him with everything that's going on in our lives. But it is better. It's just not always easier. You ever had one of those moments where you're really legitimately trying to love God and really legitimately trying to follow Jesus? And yet you're still going through trials and hardships? What's up with that? I lost my adoptive dad when he was 48 years old. He just had a heart attack and we lost him. That was a season where I really loved Jesus, I was really seeking him and following him. My mom was doing the same, and yet that set of circumstances led to a really painful, dark season for both of us. What about the moments where you're legitimately trying to follow Jesus, and you look around, and you can find 15 other people that are way worse than you? <laughs> And they don't have a God thought going through their brain. They're not following Jesus. They could care less about God, care less about Jesus, care less about the word of God. And from the outward appearance, it looks like they're quite successful. And they're not going through any trials or hardships or circumstances. What's up with that? We, we should not confuse an easy life for a better life. When it comes to following Jesus, it is better, but it's not easier. Even John the Baptist that's prepared the way for Jesus and had such quite the impact. You look at verse 14 and skip down, and even John the Baptist finds himself in trouble. After John was put in prison, the scripture says, hello, here's the anointed one to prepare the way for Jesus. Here's the appointed one to prepare the way for Jesus, and he finds himself in prison and if you do a little research, he found himself in prison for doing the right thing. He found himself in these challenging circumstances because he was following God. And then it goes on. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus has started to show up now and he's declaring something. He's saying uh, the kingdom has come and he's going to make it clear that he is the king, capital K, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's establishing a kingdom of people who will be following his lordship and his kingship and his rule. And we get a little bit of a working definition of what 
following Jesus really looks like, at least the start of following Jesus looks like, and it's here, repent and believe. Repent means to turn. It's to do a 180. If you're facing your sin, you're gonna turn your back on it and turn to face Jesus. And when you do, then you believe him, you trust him, you put your faith in him as the only hope that you and I have, the only rescue that you and I have. You know, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the more that you and I get to know Jesus, the more that we will naturally follow him. In fact, I kind of put it this way. The, the more we come to truly know Jesus, the more we can trust him. And the more we trust him, the more we naturally follow him. It's very difficult to follow someone that you don't trust and it's very difficult to trust someone that you don't know. And so I'm praying maybe for some of you that are here today or online today and you go, you know what, I don't even really know Jesus. If you didn't catch Pastor John's uh, sermon this last month, the message through the series, Unlocking God's Dream for Your Life, you need to go back and watch it. Because God does have a dream for your life and he walked through the life of Joseph and the roller coaster of his journey. And last week he wrapped up the series and also began this series, Follow Me, that we're in now. And he basically said that at the core of God's dream for your life is following Jesus day by day. But if you don't know him, then would you just rest assured that God wants to make himself known to you today over the next several weeks? For those of you that do know him, maybe this is a little bit of a diagnostic or an evaluative tool for your own heart, your own life. Maybe you'd look at it and you go, you know what, I do know about Jesus but I don't know that I have trusted him yet. Or maybe you'd go, you know what, I know him and I really do trust him, I believe in him, but for some reason, I have not yet started to follow him. I, I'm, not, I'm not wondering uh, how he should be affecting my speech and my behavior and my actions on a daily basis. I'm not really thinking about where he would want me to go or what he would want me to be doing. And kind of regardless of where you're at, maybe over the next several weeks you just begin to pray, Lord, would you help me? If it's just know more of who you are and what you're about, would you help me there? If I need help trusting you in a particular area, would you help me there? If I need help in actual following you, taking steps of faith and obedience in action, would you help me there? Mark really, I think in his gospel, he wants us to get to know Jesus. And in Mark 21 verses, uh, Mark 1, 21 through 24, he, he starts to reveal some amazing stuff about who Jesus really is. And Mark wants to put on our radar, hey, 
Folks, Jesus isn't just some guy. Jesus isn't just a, a, a nice teacher. Jesus isn't just some radical leader. But Jesus is God in the flesh, the very son of God. That's who Jesus is. He's got authority that really only comes as God. And so it shows up in his teaching. It shows up when he casts out a demon in the middle of his teaching, this authority. You look at verse 21 and on. It says, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach, okay? The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And then I love this, even this evil spirit. He says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's such a sobering reminder to me that there's something about uh, the, the enemy, Satan, and uh, demonic forces without getting too deep and intense here. Even they know at least on an intellectual level, an awful lot about Jesus. Do you? But I would also differentiate that while the evil one and his forces know about Jesus, what distinguishes us from them is they're not following him. But as a Christian, I really wanna trust Jesus, put my faith in him and follow him, be obedient to him. I would love that for that to get some movement in your heart and in your mind over the next couple of weeks. And so again, if we had kinda had to sum up the plan that God's had for us, it's this. Turning from our sin and trusting God's forgiveness is the start of our following Jesus. I know it's not rocket science. But there's a turn, and then there's trust, and then that starts the following, day by day. It's turning away from you being in the driver's seat of your life. It's trusting God enough in who he is and what he's done for you, that he knows better than you do, that would then start this journey of following him. I'd love for you to pretend for just a moment as we wrap up that this is a courtroom. Pretend for a minute that you have made your way into a courtroom today to watch some court proceedings. It's my courtroom, and on this particular day, pretend with me that I'm the judge. And pretend that uh, outside, they've just caught someone who's committed an awful crime. Someone that uh, has just committed murder has been caught. And let's just pretend that it was Pastor John. Okay? It's not John's best day. He's been caught, and they bring him into the courtroom, and as he's being brought in, he's made a confession that he has committed this act. They bring him into the courtroom, they seat him before me. 
Now, I would have to look at John and uh, as a good judge, as a fair judge, it would be within my rights to punish that crime, right? As a good judge, I can't look at it and go, oh, it's no big deal. I know who you killed and they were kind of annoying anyway, so whatever. You can't do that. It would have to be punished. You know, God finds himself in a very similar position. God is a good judge and he is a fair judge. And and God can't stand the sin, these breaking of his laws that we commit. Why? Because He knows how destructive they are to us. That's why he can't stand it. He knows how destructive they are to other people. That's why he can't stand it. He knows how destructive it is to a relationship that he desperately wants with you. That's why he can't stand it. And I'm thankful that in his justice, he's not gonna let things like rape and uh, mass murderers and child molesters, all that, just go like, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. He's gonna root it out. It has to have some consequences. He's a God of justice, but he's also a God of grace. What if on this particular day I look at Pastor John and I say, John, you're guilty of this crime of murder, you've confessed to it, and unfortunately for you, there's a punishment with that. Uh, you, You took a life, and now the punishment is you will be executed. But John, here's the deal today. We're gonna do something different. I turn to an officer in the courtroom and I say, "Uh, please would you go get my son Braddock? I got three kids in real life. One that's 14, one that's 13, and a little girl that's seven. I love them dearly. Leilani, Brody, and Braddock. I turn to the officer in the courtroom and I say, go get Braddock. They bring my 14-year-old boy in. We have a conversation for a moment. John doesn't know what's going on, neither do you. And finally, my son looks to me and says, Dad, I'll volunteer for that. I turn back to Pastor John. I say, you're guilty of this crime of murder and it has to be punished. As a fair judge, punishment has to go out. But my son and I have come up with a plan. So here's what we're gonna do. My son has volunteered to take your place, John. And they walk my boy outside and they execute him for John's crime. Justice has been satisfied. John, you're free to go. Church, whether you're here in the room or you're online, That's exactly the same thing that Jesus has done for every single one of us. In this mind-blowing thing, because as much as I love your pastor, John, I wouldn't do that in real life because I love my son more than I love Pastor John. But God, in this odd sort of triune relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mutually submissive to one another, all part of the plan, voluntarily laid down his life, but God demonstrated his love toward us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You guys, 
at the bare minimum, I know this isn't rocket science, but this is why I follow Jesus. This is why I trust Jesus. Because I know who he is and I know what he's done. And I pray over the next several weeks, whether you don't know him at all, or you've been walking with him maybe for 30 years, but you've lived the first year of your Christian life 30 times. Maybe God moves the needle on your heart in these next couple of weeks. Because as we close, this I think is what's true. Based on who he is and what he's done for us, Jesus is the only one worth following. Not your heart, not yourself, not a culture, Nobody else is worthy of following like our Jesus. Let's pray. And so gracious heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these precious people. I thank you that you love them inside and out. Your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you know you've never said yes to Jesus, stepped into a relationship with Jesus, however you wanna qualify it. You just need to have an honest conversation with him right now if you're feeling that tug. God's been pursuing you for a very long time and he would love to be in that relationship with you. And he's made a way to be in a relationship with you because he went to the cross, took the punishment that you and I deserved on himself, then three days later, he conquered sin and conquered death, proving he has the ability to make dead things live. And he can take a broken down, beat up heart and breathe life into it. You just admit, hey, I I'm a sinner, I've been going my own direction, and I do need a savior. You, you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the son of God who's come to take the punishment that you deserved on himself. And you choose to put Jesus in the driver's seat of your life rather than yourself. You have a conversation with that in prayer, your own words, your own way. There's no magical formula to it. He's listening to you right now and he just wants to wrap you up and forgive you and show you more and more over the next couple of weeks and months exactly what he's like. Show you more and more why he's trustworthy. Show you more and more why following him makes all the sense in the world, even though it's not always easy, it's always better. Father, help us all to that end. We need you and your grace in this journey of following you every single day. Thank you that it's there and available. In Jesus' name we pray.